What's up guys, uh, welcome to another edition of the world-renowned Passion for Wrestling podcast. Today I'm your host, Anarchist, uh, you might also know me as OC. Now this week we've got a new roster of P4W talent ready to give you the lowdown on all the news from the past week in the world of professional wrestling. Let's introduce everybody. So joining me today, we have the returning legend, a man as vocal as Enzo Amore buzzing off four double espressos. He's had a week off, but that's the one and only Shockmaster. How you doing today, mate? I'm good, mate. And yourself? Yeah, yeah. Not too bad. Not too bad. Coming towards the end of the weekend now. But uh, just trying to wrap up things on a positive note. You know what things are. Now, next up, we have the Vincent Kennedy McMahon of P4W. He's been with us as long as Goldust has in WWE. You know him as Buzzard, but we know him as G. How you doing, man? Very well, thank you. Pleasure to be here. Good. You excited to be joining your first ever P4W podcast? Oh, yes. I'm very excited. <laughs> very, very excited to... Uh, Cut the shit, if you will. <laughs> happy days. Well, we're happy to have you, man. Now, also joining us, whilst on a break from NXT, we have none other than one half of the NXT Tag Team Champions. We've got Kylo Riley himself, man of a thousand and four holds. Jameson, how you doing, man? I'm feeling undisputed. <laughs> <laughs> well, doesn't surprise me in the slices. There's no other way for you to feel, is there? That's exactly it. <laughs> Good. And uh, last but not least, we have a man who has more experience with a microphone than Elias himself. The legend that is Jersey Brunch, also known as Dave. Dave, how's it How's it going, man? Uh, I am doing all right. Uh, sadly, WWE does not stand for Walk With Dave, and that's kind of a bummer. <laughs> well, <laughs> depending on how successful the pod could be, you never know where things might lead. We just have to I'm keep working our, on it. <laughs> we just have to keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> but thanks for joining me, guys. Now, there's uh, a few things that we have to touch on today, so we'll dive straight into it. Now, uh, one thing that is quite quite impending now i'm sure this will come out to you afterwards but fast lane is on the fast approach to uh to air this evening jameson i'm pretty sure that was something that you've been following pretty closely uh do you want to fill us in with what's going on with that yeah so as we're recording this tonight is the smackdown live exclusive pay-per-view fast lane uh we're on the road to wrestlemania the last stop is fast lane uh headlined by of course the sensational sixth way I refuse to call it a six-pack challenge because it's just ridiculous. Uh, WWE Championship, AJ Styles, hopefully, will retain, but he's on his way. Five incredible challenges for him. Dolph Ziggler, John Cena, the Yep movement of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, and, of course, big, bad, bold, bold wolf Baron Corbin. So we're mm-hmm. heading that way. Uh, hopefully, it's going to be a sensational pay-per-view. Uh Usos take on the New Day, undoubtedly will be the match of the night. I have high hopes. Well, I think you must be one of the only ones who do. Uh, for me, I, I feel like Fastlane's a bit of a filler on the way to WrestleMania. A lot of it, I'm not too keen on. But what about the rest of you guys? Um, yeah, I'm I, I'm with... I, I'm kind of in the middle. I think Jameson's right. I think the quality will be there because we're, I, I can't remember the last time the Usos and the New Day had a bad match. Um, so the quality will definitely be there. And the six-pack challenge is filled with talent. Um, you know, if you were to name a really good six-man match, that would probably be up there. But I think in terms of the results, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion. I can't see any titles changing hands. Um, and as such, I think it's the same as the Raw pay-per-view a few weeks ago. It kind of makes it a bit boring when you're pretty certain that no one's going to drop titles. Uh, it's predictable for me, but entertaining. Yeah, I'd I'd call it myself retained lane, not fast lane, because it's clearly no one's going to drop any towels. If they do, 
it'll be the old job where they drop the title for SmackDown, they'll have a rematch and win it back again. There's no way they're going to change AJ Styles, Nakamura, now at Mania, in my opinion. Yeah, if if anything, it'll be the it'll be the Usos who drop the tag titles to the New Day, setting up again uh, a Mania rematch. I'd be interested to think if there has ever been two pay per views in a row with zero titles dropped. You know, between this and the last Raw one, if they didn't have if they didn't have any shocks or any titles dropped, it kind of might set the tone moving forward for those February pay per views to be probably the yeah. least anticipated pay per views of all time. Uh, Bliss, Bliss still should have lost her title to Sasha, but you know, still subject. To be fair, she was probably meant to, and she botched it. Oh, <laughs> I was thinking that actually. <laughs> and that also depends on what they're setting up for for Mania, because uh, I mean, I don't know. It is entire we we, we still don't know who Oscar's challenging, which is mm, true. that's that is an open question, and it looks a lot more like we're looking at Alexa Naya, which makes a lot more sense than Naya Sasha. Uh, you know, every decision they make is, you know, whether it's good or not depends on, you know, what they're going to do with it. And right now we don't really know. But I would not be surprised at all to see Charlotte Asuka, uh, Alexa Naya at WrestleMania. No, yeah, that does seem to be the rumors seem to be on that. And um, I guess that would that that still means Charlotte retains. I can't see that. I, I, I would say you'd get more than 100 to 1 odds and Ruby Riot winning that match against Charlotte. But yeah, I, I do think... They seem to be teasing Nia and Alexa too much for it not to happen. So it does seem that the way that they, they, they're building up this Asuka Bliss match, but not enough for it to actually be a match. And the mm-hmm. fact that she hasn't officially announced that she's going after that title uh, makes me think, yeah, they're going to they're gonna switch that so that Nia can go after Bliss. Well, both title matches for both brands now has completely opened up, in my opinion, seeing that Ronda Rousey has been signed for her mixed match uh, sorry, mixed tag team match at WrestleMania. It's kind of taken one of the big questions out of WrestleMania about who Rousey was going to face. You know, we're going back and seeing actually the usual women's division fighting over the titles, which is good because, you know, I think there would have been a bit of a riot if we'd seen Ronda Rousey come in and immediately get a title shot at WrestleMania. But it certainly answered a few more of the questions for me leading up to Mania. I think I think Charlotte Asuka is is a top billing women's match personally and i think that's why they might kind of pull the 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 the, and go with that simply because i think that's the biggest draw you can have in the women's division at the moment charlotte and asuka definitely definitely that that is the wrestlemania match right there is asuka's charlotte yeah i mean i'd i'd put that one on just before brock reigns but there's also rumors that that isn't actually going to be the main event anymore because that there's so you know with brock leaving they don't really see the point in spotlighting on brock uh, at all, which I'm pretty sure they were aware of previously, but that's that's just rumours at the moment. But yeah, I, I think it should be it should be treated as a main event match, um, and it can it, it's the perfect way for the women to be pushed to the top of the card is is have the two best women in the world wrestle. Talking about women's wrestling, uh, we've had a bit of a feature over the last week about women of honour. Um, Dave, this is a subject quite close to to you. Do you want to give us a bit of a rundown on what's going on with that? Yeah, sure. I mean, I've been not, I mean, Wing of Honor has been around for a much longer time than I think most people realize, but it's always been something that ROH has never taken terribly seriously. It's always been, you know, we need a dark match on this show. We need to fill something out in a house show. And once in a while, ROH would run out of footage for their syndicated show and you would get a Wing of Honor show in its place. That's about it. Uh, back at Final Battle, they introduced this title, uh, the Women of Honor title. They were going to finally crown their first champion. They announced a tournament. Uh, 
between that and the signing of Tennille Dashwood, I really started to get the idea they might be taking this seriously. And with the what I kind of wanted to bring up here is with the way it's presented, uh, I was wrong. That that did not happen. Uh, this has been uh, they had a match featuring a couple of these women. I don't think it was a uh, I don't think it was a tournament match, but it happened on the pre-show on the anniversary show and all the other matches like you can go to their website and watch them, but they're not on the TV product. Uh, and I don't really get it. Uh, but where we are right now, we're at the semifinals and they have like half a roster of really good talent and half a roster of people who maybe shouldn't be there. And when you look at this semifinal bracket, we have uh, Kelly Klein, who has been a stalwart of that division really as long as they've been doing this. Kelly's a really solid worker. She's a little bigger than the other girls. She works this kind of uh, monster heel. Uh, I'm not sure if she's still undefeated. She was undefeated for a while there. She's she's wrestling stardom's Mayu Iwatani. That's, that's going to be a hell of a match. Um, on the other side of this, though, I'm puzzled. Uh, they keep seeming to push through in, you know, as long as they've had Women of Honor, and even now in this tournament, Sumi Sakai. Have any of you seen Sumi wrestle? Uh, I can't say I have, no. No. I, I no. think I had a tag match on Women of Honor before previously. Yeah, that um, probably. Uh, she's terrible. Uh, I'm not going to pull punches here. She's look, she's been in this for a long time. She, but if you watched her wrestle, you would think, Oh, she's a little green. She'll get better. Uh, so, you know, how we have her in the semifinal, but we bracketed say, you know, Deanna Parazzo to go out earlier. And Deanna is somebody who has grown a lot. If you haven't seen Deanna Parazzo since she was getting, you know, murdered on television by Oscar, uh, I highly suggest trying to track down some of her matches. Uh, there was a period here where I live in New Jersey where, she spent like a year and a half doing basically every show. Like she was just on every flyer kind of grinding it out and it's paid off and she's really good. And I would have liked to have seen her make it a little bit further here. So I guess kind of the thing I want to bring up and the thing I'm, you know, cautiously optimistic about is that they have announced the final for uh, Supercard of Honor. So, you know, if that means main show, that's really promising. But I'm a little bit pessimistic about that. Uh, you know, there are two really good possibilities we have here, because uh, in one bracket, you have Kelly Klein and Mayu uh, Iwatani. Either is a great pick for the final. In the bottom bracket, it's Tennille Dashwood and Sumi Sakai, and that that's that's a gimme. That has to be Tennille Dashwood unless they're all smoking angel dust. So I guess I don't know if y'all are following this at all or if you're familiar with the talent or if there's, you know, anything you're hoping to see come up in the final. But dear God, I hope they put it on the main show because this is getting ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's It's been a... It's, the women's product on Ring of Honor is a very different product to other promotions, mainly WWE. Uh, mm. WWE has been banging on about the women's evolution for the good good last few years now. When you compare that to the way that Ring of Honor has been positioning the women's talent within Ring of Honor, it, it's, it's a very different show entirely. But I don't know whether I'm optimistic enough to say that it will make the main card. I'd like to see it, but whether it does or not, I, I really couldn't say at this point. Yeah, I've um, I I be completely honest. I haven't been keeping up with it. I was I watched the show in which they they announced the tournament that was announced on the main card. Um, uh, what you said about the the recent show, you don't think it was a tournament match? I did. I just looked it up, and actually, it was a tournament match. In fact, it was um, Tennille Dashwood beating Brandy Rhodes, which okay. in my I find that quite strange to be on the the pre-show, considering it's arguably the two biggest names they have for the tournament in terms Absolutely. of. Uh, of Mark's ability anyway you've got Cody Rhodes' wife and and the former Emma who's only just left the WWE for that to be on a, a pre-show seems a bit strange um, it does I do want to ask you a question because I haven't personally been keeping up but how does Brandy Rhodes compare with the other women in the women's division alright so I've only seen a couple of the sort of the 
the Brandy stuff they've put on the television show, which isn't that much, but I have seen her wrestle uh, live at a Northeast wrestling event. You know, um, she's not bad. Uh, she looks like she's been wrestling about as long as she's been wrestling, which isn't necessarily an insult, but, you know, uh, I think she left this tournament at about the right spot because her first round, she was up against Karen Q, whose work is not really much cleaner than hers. They're both decent, but Brandy, as a character, you know, she has that down a little bit more. Uh, it's just a lot of her work. It's, it's not terribly snug. Her timing's a little weird, but that's, you know, those are things that can get ironed out. I think she has the core to be of uh, the potential to be, uh, well, to contribute really strongly. Uh, it's just going to take a little bit of time. I think they used her properly in this tournament, and she goes out to the right person. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I do find it strange that they'd have built up this tournament but not featured it really at all. I guess it makes sense a bit because it, making the final on the on the on the pay per view to have any uh, build up matches on the pay per view might make the final just look like another match. So I guess they're trying to make it look like the champion means something by having the final on the main card, whereas the other matches on just normal TV. I, I, I'm just trying to be positive about it, but yeah, I, I don't see it becoming as big as uh, any women's division in other in other promotions at all you know that's fair and there's i was thinking about this earlier there's a lot of available female talent i hope they're looking at people like tessa blanchard rachel ellering uh mia yim had been dealing with a leg injury that she's recently healed and she's coming back to action uh there are a lot of women out there that are very much available jessica havoc is another one i think we were actually talking about her in the chat recently so yeah, you know yeah, yeah. I hope they build this. I hope they're looking around, and I, I hope they don't just stick to the the Ring of Honor dojo because there's a lot of great talent outside of there that they that they can get. Well, keeping in line with the subject to Ring of Honor and the recent 16th anniversary pay per view, there was a couple of other highlights that come up, which are definitely worth talking about. One of them being all the fiasco which has taken place with the Bullet Club at the moment. Now, Dave, did you want to just update us with the Bullet Club situation? Sure. Um, so, uh, I mean, the match that kind of triggered this off was not really a Bullet Club thing, but it was, uh, you know, uh, Kenny had been kicked in the dong by Matt Taven, who then stole his ring. So kicked in the junk, had his jewelry stolen and, you know, uh, <laughs> getting us to this grudge match. And he's accompanied to the ring by Brandy. And if any of you watch Being the Elite or if you happen to catch Manhattan Mayhem on uh, Honor Club, you would be familiar with Burry, the drug free bear who accompanied him to the ring. Um so after the match, uh, Cody won. He got his ring back. Spoilers. Uh, but uh, Barry shoves him down and takes off the uh, the mascot uh, mask. And I got to tell you, you know, at that point, once he's taking the mask off, you had to know it was happening. Uh, good brother Kenny Omega was underneath the mask, which explains why he was absent uh, from night one of the New Japan Cup, because he was scheduled for a tag there. So that was a nice little bit of work. Uh some strange stuff going down here. And I mean, I don't know if y'all remember Cody during a match had kissed Ibushi on the lips and said, you know, uh, Kenny doesn't love you the way I do. Uh, Brandy does the same thing here where she kisses uh, Kenny on the lips and, uh, you know, sounding like a right sexual predator is straight up going, you wanted it. I could see it. Uh, <laughs> tell Ibushi you're a fraud. This There is a really weird, uh, there's a really weird like sexual psychodrama <laughs> uh, going on between the Golden Lovers and Cody and Brandy at this point where you have, you know, Kenny, who I guess is basically a furry now uh, in his probably more than friendly relationship with Kota Ibushi and these two, you know, just kind of snarky jerks from America who are, you know, trying to mess with their love. It's weird, but um, uh, I'm into it. Did you guys uh, catch this or did you see the footage of the moment? Are they so? Are they trying to? Are we trying to believe that Kota and Co uh, Kenny are in a relationship with each other? 
they hinted at that very heavily during the original Golden Lovers uh, run. I mean, you can go online and find their straight up like cheesecake pictures of the two of them like posing together naked. Yeah, that's, yeah. you know, that's been this thing that's like unsaid, but very much there. And even Kenny, when asked, has been nobody actually knows what his sexual orientation is. No. Uh, but when, when asked, he refuses to answer. He'll always say things like, I don't know what I am or you know, whatever I am, it's not straight. Uh, he won't address it directly, which it's Kenny. So who knows? That's character work. It could be real, though. The point is for us not to know. But that's something that's always kind of been there. And something I've always kind of appreciated about the Golden Lovers is it's not a joke. Like, they're not playing it for laughs. They don't make a big deal of it out of the ring. But there's just always a little bit of it there. And there are backstage pictures, but they honestly just kind of look like a cute couple. It's weird, but it works. <laughs> Yeah, um, uh, yeah. I, 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 to be honest, that was the most confusing bit of that segment. I, I had no idea why she was kissing Kenny Omega or what the, the logic behind it was. Um, it did look like she enjoyed that kiss far too much, though. Uh, <laughs> not that I'm trying to place any, uh, put anything in the middle of their marriage or anything, but she really wanted to kiss Kenny Omega. But other than that, Kenny it was looked awkward though. He, he did. He looked so awkward. Made it. <laughs> <Like> she enjoyed <laughs> yeah. it. <laughs> and he very much looked like a dude who was being forced to kiss his boy's wife. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but she looked like she was into it. She was well into it. But no, it was a great segment. I think uh, having having Kenny as the the bear that the pop that got that was the pop of the night. It was a, just it was a great pop. Oh yeah, and, it was Kenny, huge. Kenny played the bear so well and hit hit what must have been the softest V trigger of all time. Ken, Cody must have been lying <laughs> down thinking that was beautiful. I felt so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Leo, Kenny Omega showed Dean Ambrose how to be a bear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Now Don't if we could just show him how to work, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. It's definitely a great segment. I, I popped at it. But, you know, this is just a testament to the way that the Bullet Club is storytelling in the world of professional <laughs> wrestling at the minute. You know, they, they really know what works in ring and, you know, how to tell the story and, Last, you know, that segment just shows exactly why they are in the position that they are at the moment. Oh, yeah. I mean, the best stuff with them is where they sort of take the reins from the promotions with the storytelling. I mean, the whole thing they did with Marty when they brought him in, Ring of Honor just wanted to tweet, hey, Marty Skrulls and Bullet Club. You know, that <laughs> whole storyline with poisoning Adam Cole and like slowly bring Marty in over like a month of BTE episodes. That was all them, you know, yeah. uh, so, you know, you have to give them a lot of credit for, you know, really not waiting for the promotion to tell the story, not waiting for the promotion to get the angle over. They're going to do it. They're going to make sure that they're making their money and people are watching. And yeah, I respect the hell out of that. Yeah, I mean, um, the, the the New Japan way of announcing someone's in a in a stable is just genuinely them sat having a press conference or, or they might just walk out in a T-shirt. There, there's never this kind of big thing about most most people joining club stables though yeah the way they've taken it on and always had these kind of new and innovative ways of having people join the bullet club um i find really interesting and and it to be honest it, don't, it has left so many questions like on the on the recent shows um kota Ibushi and kenny omega have been teaming with chase evans who's actually still a member of the bullet club facing what's technically the bullet club and then you've got the the og faction that don't seem to be conforming to the the, the elite way of, of so there's so many questions but the way that the the telling the story and dragging it out is, is really good um and as you mentioned before we, we were talking about it on the day which was the strange facts that uh chase owens had teamed with kota Ibushi the night before the ring of honor show um and i think me and you uh dave both said um i wonder why kenny's not there and then it all kind of you know it answered itself when it yeah. was a really good way of answering it 
Yeah, that was that was that was a really good way of handling it. And I think it was good to I don't know if it was on purpose that they had him scheduled knowing he wasn't going to be there and then pulled him to build the intrigue. But even if it was an accident, that's a very happy accident. It works. It worked really well. Yeah, absolutely. It was really it it made a lot of sense because it did for a split second. You did wonder why Kenny Omega wasn't at that show. The same token, why he wasn't hasn't recently been in the New Japan Cup. Um, it, it seems quite strange, but then he, he's come out and had this uh, forefront to the character to go on, this is the reason I'm not in the New Japan Cup and uh, my focus is on taking out Cody and the Bullet Club or taking out Cody Rhodes and the Bullet Club um, and, and you know bringing the other members back in. So they kind of, they've got this bigger, wider picture that they're really allowing Kenny and everyone to, to buy into. Yeah, absolutely. And I do want to just real quick, because I know we have one more big thing from uh, ROH that we want to get to, but I do very quickly want to shout out uh, the villain, Marty Skrull, uh, who they have been very slowly uh, building up to this moment where he is now challenging Dalton Castle uh, at Supercard of Honor for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Uh, and I wanted to mention it, A, because I think this is going to be, I mean, Dalton just had the best defense of his title reign, uh, which isn't that long yet uh against Jay Lethal. Uh I think we're gonna have a match that easily tops that. Uh with Marty, uh with the way their styles interject, with the possibility for Marty interacting with the boys. But also because and I just wanted to real quick get the temperature on the room, see what y'all think. I think Marty Skrull is the next Ring of Honor world champion. What are you what are you thinking? I was gonna say I think it's a little bit too soon. I think they're gonna keep it on Dalton a little bit longer, but they, I agree it's gonna be a hell of a match because they I think their styles are gonna be gonna interact perfectly in this match, I reckon. Yeah, they've both got a lot of charisma between the two of them. It will be, uh, for the, it'll be entertaining as hell, to be completely honest. Um, and and it'll be a good match. I don't, yeah, I don't think he's ready yet. I think there's there's still a little bit more to this Marty Bullet Club villain club thing that they're going to have to play out. But I reckon it could play into this match because obviously with Martin teasing, Marty teasing leaving, possible dissension between Cody Rhodes and Marty, him being number one contender could lead to a, a further storyline with them two down the line when he's done with Kenny. Um, so I think it all buys into it. But yeah, I, I think Marty is a future champion for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited to see where this goes, to be perfectly honest. I mean, when Marty turned up um, in that purple jacket, oh, he looked damn good. But I'd love to see Marty with the belt. I think he's very deserving of the belt, but I'm, I'm inclined to agree that actually it's not his time quite yet. Perhaps they would develop the story a little bit further. Um, and like Shock says, maybe see what happens with uh, Marty and the Bullet Club, uh, whether he's actually going to break off and have his own little villain club. He's hinted at that over the last week, sending tweets out about how he's hiring at the moment. So, yeah, I think it's a bit of an open book at the minute, but just have to see where it goes. Yeah, I'm just sort of of the opinion that I don't know how long ROH can actually keep the title off of him. Uh, looking at the reactions that he's getting, nobody... Nobody is as close to and just being in, you know, uh, going to the live shows and, you know, it's harder to tell watching the pay-per-views, but even there, nobody's getting the reactions that Marty Skrull is. Um, and they have done a little bit of a build to this, but it's been kind of slow and a little goofy. So I can see them pushing off on it a little bit. But as soon as Dalton won it, and I don't know, maybe I'm alone here, but I assume Dalton was going to have a very short title reign. And I love him and I was very happy to see him win. But he is, you know, he's a, he's a very character heavy, gimmick heavy guy uh, who it can be a good baby face chasing like he spent the better part of last year doing. Um, I don't know if they need to keep the belt on him. My assumption was they were going to have him hold it just long enough so that when he loses it, we'll miss it. Uh, and I don't know that that actually takes very long, but you know, I could see them going a little further with him, but I would not at all be surprised if he's not long for that title. Yeah, I agree. I, I wasn't expecting him to have the title for as long as he has at this stage, Yeah, but 
equally, you know, there's a, a roster of big talent on uh, Ring of Honor at the moment. And like you say, Marty Scroll is, is one of the biggest, um, you know, most popular talents on the roster at the moment. He's getting incredible pops from the crowd. The fans are behind him, you know, not just in ring, but, you know, they're, they're going crazy for him outside of the ring on all of his social media. So it, it's hard to believe that Ring of Honor won't capitalize on that and ultimately put the title on him. But, you know, in terms of how long Dalton Castle will keep the title, it's it's a difficult question to answer. I, I always thought it was destined to go back onto Cody, to be honest. I think the exposure the ROH was title was getting, being on Cody, uh, was fantastic for ROH. Um, and I, I thought immediately from Dalton winning, it, he they were winning to capitalise on his popularity at the time. But I did think it was destined to go back to Cody to, to regain his, its uh, maximum exposure because outside of ROH, Dalton Castle doesn't do much. Whereas obviously Cody is a huge publicity figure for ROH. Yeah, absolutely. I actually had uh, when I was leaving Final Battle because I was I was there when Dalton won it. That's the cover. The exact conversation I had with my wife is exactly what you just said. So uh, maybe there's a longer term plan to get it on back on Cody. But I actually thought Cody would have it back by now. He hasn't actually had a rematch. I don't believe though at all. No, just like they haven't even played to it, which I found quite strange. Maybe they are keeping him away from the title for a while, just and then he just shows up and gets that title match back. But uh, yeah, there doesn't seem to be any build towards Cody Rhodes getting the title back at all. Austin Aries made a bit of a shock return this week, uh, but had something which we didn't think we were going to see on Ring of Honor for a long, long time. Dave, no. What, what um, I also, um, I did want to also point out that like this really saved a segment because yo, I like Kenny King and Silas Young, but that match was. It was weird, and it ended weird. Uh, you can go ahead and read the review on PassionForWrestling.com if you want to see exactly how weird I thought it was. Um, but yeah, Austin Aries comes out, you know, looking like a uh, a, a tiny uh, shades-wearing Ultimo Dragon, and one of those titles was the uh, the Impact Championship. I wasn't so surprised to see Impact talent on Ring of Honor because, you know, Cody was competing on Impact at least a little uh, when he came over uh, to Ring of Honor. He was doing both. But seeing that belt on Ring of Honor programming, I mean, I don't know how much there really is to say about it, but um, I'm hoping we're moving towards more an industry where these companies who are not WWE realize that co-promoting, sharing talent and sharing funds and resources to promote shows and to get their talent onto more shows is the way to compete with WWE because no one of these companies is doing it. So I was happy to see it there. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I don't know. What do you guys think? I hate yeah. that belt. What, the, <laughs> the impact style. Oh, what the, it's, it looks like it's got a sticker over the front, doesn't it? It does. It's the Global it's Force the belt with a sticker over it that says impact. Yeah, it is an ugly... It's crazy, ugly. How, it's crazy how they haven't addressed that yet. It's mental. It's awful. I'm waiting for one day for like uh, the champion to walk down to the ring and like the sticker to fall off and just be like, ah, crap. In fairness, they've rebranded so many times that they're probably just like, what's the point anymore? We're not going to keep buying new belts. Let's just keep the same belt. What they should yeah. do is just have a belt that says heavyweight title and that way it can <laughs> move between promotion. Just do, do an old school ECW and get, get a WWE title and change it slightly. Yeah. But do you yeah. think that Impact endorsed Aries bringing the title onto Ring of Honor because it seems, you know, if we were having this conversation maybe five years ago, this would never have happened. We would never have seen that title on Ring of Honor. But, you know, it's obviously gone through quite a substantial few changes over the last few years to the position where it is now. But do you think Impact really gave Aries the nod to say, yeah, go on, take it with you? 
yeah, from what I've read, there, there's no, there's not been any. From this is completely from what I've, it's completely rumor based, but from what I've read, <clears throat> there has been no communication between ROH and Impact Wrestling about this. Austin Aries is on an open contract; he can do what the hell he wants. But he did make Impact Wrestling aware of what was happening, and they openly agreed to him doing it. Um, the, the, Impact Wrestling are kind of promoting this. You know, wrestlers can uh, use our platform to bring get make themselves bigger. And if they want to use out go elsewhere, like you know, like signing off the broken universe to Matt Hardy, and like allowing EC3 to take EC3 away, um, uh, they seem to be a lot more open to this. I think that they see how far their talent roster's kind of gone down from people leaving and having these unfair contracts. And they're they're being a lot more open to their talent, um, and I, I think from their point of view as well, getting any exposure is good exposure. So having the Impact title on Austin Aries or being one of his many titles that he's going around calling himself the uh, the belt collector uh, really does help the promotion. Um, so I don't. I, it might be the start of something down way down the line, and I think like Dave, I think I'm really hoping that one day it will be uh, in terms of every promotion working together that's outside the WB to see that they can build each other up. Um, but for now, I just think it was more of a, you're going to be on that show, fine, you take our title and do what you need to do. I, mean, I think there's, um, there's, uh, there's, a, there's a saying that there's no such thing as bad bad publicity, so it was obviously, obviously for exposure needs, they were, they were definitely in the right to do it, to be honest. Absolutely, yeah. I'm not really sure what else there is to, to say on that, you know, he showed up with a belt. Yeah, uh. <laughs> yeah. I think I think the, at the end of the day, it, it, there, it, there's an easy way to look into it a lot more than it has been done. But yeah, sure. in the end of the day, it was just a man showing up with a belt from another promotion. Um, I mean, he showed up with the Defiant Wrestling title, and I don't think anyone's claiming that Wade Barrett's going to debut in ROH anytime soon. So, well, he's Marty's dad, so maybe. <laughs> he's, got yeah. like, he's not under a contract dispute like you had with Ric Flair in the eighties, and he hasn't thrown it in in the bin. No. Like a laundry blaze, so oh god, I yeah. don't think anyone's going to be a bit upset about it. I did find it quite strange that they brought back Austin Aries to seemingly go after the TV title, though. I don't know if I'm just looking into that too much, but you know, Austin Aries was a perennial ROH main eventer, and he's kind of showed up going after their mid card title to return. I don't know if that's for me that it. I felt a bit strange. I don't know if for anyone else what they thought of it. It's just because he can't fit any other belts it's... on his arm. They're, they're all too big. So, you know, any more and he'll topple over to one side. So he went yeah. after the small belt. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely an element too if you really wanted to read into it that if he's a top title holder in Impact and a mid-card title holder or a contestant for a mid-card title or contender for a mid-card title in ROH, what does that say about the relative importance of the two the two promotions at the same time, I think that's one of those conversations that, you know, people like us, smart marks get into that don't actually have, you know, necessarily any significance, really. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, I think it's more just placement, isn't it? He, it'd be better to go in after this title because if all, in all honesty, for a good few months, the, the ROH TV title has suffered from a bit of a frail storyline uh, in the, the Silas Young, Kenny King, who are two guys uh, silas young did used to be very over but he seems to have lost a lot of his momentum now um and kenny king uh, uh wrestling fans seem to care a lot less of him than the roh do talking about how he was on the bachelorette yeah and i mean i like kenny king but there is a certain uh star quality that's not there but that that belt has taken a bit of a beating ever since girl lost it um you know like kushida was a good champion but not around that much and before that you had bobby fish had this phenomenal title reign 
uh, Will Ospreay had like a one day title reign and then Skrull had a fantastic title reign with it. And then you had Kushida, who was kind of an absentee dad with that thing. He showed up a couple of times and then he lost it. And uh, I feel like a little of the shines come off the apple. They need to build it back up. They need to make it seem prestigious again because it did when Marty had it and it doesn't right now. Well, on the subject of titles, let's move on to another subject where a new title is potentially going to be brought out. Um, it's over in the world of NXT. Gee, this is something you've been following, isn't it? It is indeed. Uh, NXT, well, William Regal and Triple H uh, all tweeted about it. Um, the North American title, it's been called, which I'm not big, not big over on the name. But it's going to be like the mid-card sort of title, so like the IC or the US title equivalent, if you will. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not too sure on the name. I reckon it could have been called maybe like the network title, obviously, because it's always going to be on the network. Whereas like normal titles sort of vary on, on like pay-per-views because like obviously in this country you still have pay-per-views. So you couldn't call it the network title, but this is always going to be on the network because you can't get NXT over there on the network over here. Yeah, I agree. I mean, when did, was it announced when the first match for the title was going to air? Um, yeah, it's going to be at the, at the, the New Orleans takeover. But this, it's not been uh, confirmed yet, but uh, I think there's a couple of names that have been, uh, been released, and that's uh, EC3, and I think I think Ricochet as well. I think obviously the two new guys are going to debut in that match. Okay, so some good name value already on the uh, on the card for that, that match. Wait to see who else is announced for it. I mean, I'm a bit surprised that they did decide to announce this as a separate title for NXT. I thought it would be a better direction to utilise the UK Championship, personally, but... Um, yeah, I mean, they've obviously made the decision to debut this new belt, and they will do it at New Orleans. I mean, what what is everybody else's thoughts on this title? Uh, it's been a long time coming. Like, there's people who have been in NXT that, like, didn't really have much to do that could have benefited from having a mid-card title. Uh, the names uh, that immediately pop to mind are Apollo and Ty Dillinger. Both yeah. of those guys would have been great mid-card champions in NXT. But they're just sort of like, floundered a bit in the mid card without actually having anything to fight for completely agree completely yeah, agree. yeah I, I agree with that there's a lot of talent where especially i think two of the two guys you mentioned so tyler Dillinger and apollo cruz with ty Dillinger, obviously there's a lot of wwe talent that still comes through that's largely considered secondary to the uh to the indie guys as something velveteen dream has brought up that you could have the could have had a title like i don't personally see velveteen dream winning the nxt title but he'd be really good for a mid-card title run. Um, so I completely see the logic in it. I, I'm I'm with OC in the sense that for the last couple of months anyway, they have been going down the route of using the UK title as that. And I don't really know what's going to happen with that title now because without its kind of... Uh, it, it Without being said, it has really been treated as a secondary NXT title um as mm. such but now what what, what was place would it be will, will it be defended on nxt still as it has been for a few months or is it going to fade off into kind of obscurity really is what it kind of looks like at this point it almost feels like that belt and i agree it seems like it was becoming that that big car belt and now it's just or what is it just part of pete dunn's entrance gear uh more or less it's yeah. kind of where it feels where it's at and that's the other part is what happens with Pete Dunne? Because I understand, and uh, I think this is something that came up in the chat, that he's not the prototypical WWE heel, but he's this great, mean, ugly, little troll-looking dude with incredible skills. You know what I mean? And to just have him as like, a, oh, here's an attraction match with the UK belt, and if there's not a real division behind it, uh, 
it feels like a waste to me. So I am a little concerned about Pete Dunn's spot and what the spot of that belt's going to be as well. So that's the I the, thinking about the North American belt doesn't make me think about the North American belt so much as you know, yeah, hey, what the hell about the UK title? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's my my thought process is that it seems like a title has been lost. That being said, uh, a six man ladder match for the title at NXT looks like it's uh, will be certainly one of the show stealers. That NXT show is seriously ramping up to to steal the weekend in terms of WrestleMania weekend um, between oh, yeah. Alistair Black's yeah Alex the Black's title run and, and the six man ladder match with uh, with Ricochet in it. I mean, ha- how how good is it to check Ricochet Ricochet in a ladder match? It'll be something to behold, I reckon. I mean, the only logical thing I can see here is that they have a bit of time with this North American title and then perhaps further down the line do some kind of unification between that and the UK talent, maybe, uh, the UK title even, and maybe call it, I don't know, something like the Western title or something. I know that's probably a ridiculous name for it and they'll probably come up with something a bit more, you know, in line with WWE's names. But, you know, that it just seems such a waste to have gone through all that work with the UK uh, championship tournament a lot of the UK talent is on board for NXT. We're seeing them sort of move over slowly into 205. Pete Dunne is such a big name in the UK division that, you know, he's destined for main roster at the very least. It, it just seems like a complete and utter waste otherwise. I think what it is, they obviously, the UK tournament was like a counteract for the world of sport that ITV were meant to be bringing back. I'm not sure. I think that's just, just completely disappeared now. So I think they've done that and they bought that, that title up for someone to win, thinking that they were going to have a UK sort of uh, promotion, if you will. But obviously now World of Sport is like, I don't know, they've disappeared and now we've got like five-star wrestling, which obviously is meant to be awful. It's oh, like it they've obviously put it on the back burner. That's my opinion anyway. Yeah, I think it fell under the budget cuts from, I think, I can't remember who said it, but someone said it in the chat, they think that it came down to the budget cuts, which was they, they did the, the title tournament for the UK and then they even did a, a further... Uh, recording of shows uh, which were then broadcast on the WWE Network and the idea it looked like was to build a, a fully-fledged UK division that would be touring the UK while um, while the WWE toured the US and have it as a network show like NXT. Um, but yeah, like, like you said, it seems to have just kind of died a very uninspiring death from uh, from that and it, it seems like Pete Dunne just kind of it has it as his entrance gear for any indie shows and occasionally defends it on the indies and very occasionally defends it in a match again on NXT where you're thinking, why is Roderick Strong from somewhere in America facing for the UK title? On your point, G, about the title name, I think they're starting to run out of places to name titles after. <laughs> um, like, literally, it genuinely seems like the uh, WWE uh, or, or wrestling in general has had titles of every, for every single place in the world that soon we're going to have, run out and it's just going to be a country title, like the Afghan heavyweight champion. I, I could go for Guam. Yeah. I feel like Guam could use a title. Yeah, <laughs> Guantanamo Guan Bay. Well, I think uh, Jeff Jeff Cobb is from Guam, so let's bring him in and make him the Guam, uh, the world champion of, of Guam. It does raise the rules. Like, what are the rules for the... Like, because for me, I thought the UK title rules were, like, UK competitors. That's what we got with you, Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate. But then Roderick Strong and, and now Adam Cole next week on NXT is phasing for it. So it, it's is it just a UK title in name only, I guess? Well, I remember the European title. D'Lo Brown's not European. Yeah. Oh, D'Lo Brown was honorary European in my heart. <laughs> it's the same for Rusev going for the United States Championship. You know, he's he's not 
from America. He's from Bulgaria. So, you know, the logic behind it is that, well, there is none. <laughs> to be, the current to be United States shorter. champion is Canadian. Oh, exactly. That uh, is very true. In fact, the, one of the greatest intercontinental champ, actually intercontinental doesn't come under that, does it? Okay. Ignore me. Ignore that. Edit it out. <laughs> We're going to well, leave that That's all in. the conversation. Like, what's the difference between intercontinental belt and a world title, which is also intercontinental, but that's an entirely separate conversation. <laughs> I mean, there's, there, all of the continents are in the world, which is in the universe. Therefore, technically, Ooh. you should just have a unification match and everyone should just be the galactic champion so, so what you're saying did we skip the galaxy the champion ever yeah yeah exactly i mean Clearly. aj styles is the champion of the world but brock lesnar is the champion of the universe in that world so whoever wins the galactic championship just that's it done kurt hawkins that's who will win it or he he's slater versus kurt hawkins for the intergalactic championship you heard it here first <laughs> Well, let's bring things back down to earth, shall we? And uh, I'm pretty sure there's something going on over in New Japan at the moment. Um, Chuck, that's something that you've been following at the moment, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I uh, I do love myself some Japanese wrestling. Um, and we are into day four, uh, day four of the New Japan Cup. Uh, so for those who don't know, the New Japan Cup is a 16-fold tournament where the winner gets to decide whatever title they uh, challenge mm -hmm. for. Only one occasion has it not been the IWGP heavyweight title currently held by Akada for his record-setting break. Um, I'll quickly run down the, the first round matches that have gone on. We've still got two to go, which is Toro Yanu versus Davy Boy Smith Jr., who, by the way, I watched the Regent show and has the whitest teeth I've ever seen in my life. Like, I don't know if any of you have seen it, but my God, it, like, it blinds you on the other side of a television screen. Um, and Chucky T... Uh, versus Sonada. They're the two matches to go. Uh, in the first round already, Michael Elgin qualified uh, in a shock, beating tomorrow Ishii um, in a... It was an absolute war, uh, which was a fantastic match. I'd check, say anyone to check it out. It's currently on New Japan World. Um, Juice Robinson beat Yujiro Takahashi in a match where, if any of you have ever moaned about John Cena and Roman Reigns kicking out at two, I say challenge you to go watch this match because Juice Robinson kicked out a two every 30 seconds. Um, it was it was insane. It was a very good match, but it was it was kind of stupid on the sense that Takahashi hit him with about four different finisher-looking moves and couldn't pin him. Um, Hiroshi Tanahashi pinned Tai Chi, which I haven't seen yet. Uh, in the same thing, Bad Luck Fale beat Lance Archer, um, who has a very weird gimmick of just spitting water at Japanese people that don't like to be infected by anything. It's a very strange gimmick. He walks around. Uh, I don't know if, if you watch Japanese wrestling. A lot of you see a lot of the fans wearing these face masks, which is uh, yeah, because like stars and stuff. Yeah, yeah, because Japan's a very polluted country. And uh, Lance Archer is uh, his his gimmick is walking around just spitting water at these people's faces, like right at these people's faces, <laughs> which is quite a strange one. Uh, anyway. He also yells, everybody dies a lot. <laughs> he does, yeah. You're That's the die. other part of the gimmick. And also yeah. inserting die or death into the name of New Japan shows when he's cutting promos. It's a really well-rounded character. <laughs> he, he, yeah, you, you, you got to give him that. Well, Davey Boy Strut Jr. looks strange with stood just with him with this weird smile with giant teeth. Um, <laughs> uh, in, in last night's show, and I, I haven't seen this, or this morning's show, uh, uh, Kota Ibushi went through beating Yoshihashi, and in the... Uh, absolute shock of the tournament, in my opinion. Zack Sabre Jr. beat Tetsuya Naito, uh, who obviously challenged Okada at the recent show for the, the title at Wrestle Kingdom and is now 
losing to Zack Sabre Jr., which I found strange. I thought he'd be my favourite to win it. Um, what's your guys' thoughts on uh, the New Japan Cup? Who do you want to win it? Well, Naito was my favourite, so I'm a bit gutted that he's gone. I'm a very big Naito guy, to be fair. I hope he does beat Okada uh, at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, I was I was really shocked in terms of, of Naito not winning the title, first of all, of Okada, and, and going out today as well. He is clearly by far the most over guy on New Japan shows. Um, and it seems quite strange that they're, they're hell-bent on, on Okada put being pushed into this record-setting title reign um, at the moment. Uh, I find I also find it quite strange that Michael Elgin won. Obviously, there's a lot of bad publicity he's got in, a, in America at the moment that's, that seems to be kind of completely ignored in terms of his uh, New Japan bookings. Yeah. I wonder if people in Japan are even are even following that though. Like I was actually more surprised. In my head, it's more just really Elgin over Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, it, it was it was more that was puzzling. I get why you know Elgin tries to do a show here and he gets booed out of the building in Japan. They 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 may just really not be paying attention to that. I can't really say. But him going over Ishii just seems weird to me because Ishii's Ishii and Ishii is like super dope and has a really strong following there. And it seems maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like as a part of chaos, he's bigger than Elgin. Uh, uh, you know, just as as a star there, so that's a little bit puzzling to me. Yeah, I, I agree. I'll, I'll see what you yeah, I was going to jump. Uh, pretty much exactly what you said, Chalk. I mean, I mean, I understand Dave's point about um, you know whether he was actually worthy of going over against a talent like that, but it just seemed a bit shocking to me that Elgin was even included or even managed to progress in the tournament itself, given that he's got all this bad publicity behind him. But you know, maybe that's just. Uh, Maybe that's just something that is, is being followed outside of Japan. Who knows? Yeah, one thing I did want to quick mention, uh, Tetsuya Naito has been very outspoken uh, about the tournament itself. Um, one thing he said was, uh, how many people in this tournament have actually won a match in the last uh, year's time? Um, and I, I found that a very strange thing. I looked into it, actually, and um, it turns out that uh, Bad Luck Falei, only his last single match was in last year's New Japan Cup. Uh, Juice Robinson and, and Takahashi, who faced each other in the first round, haven't had a singles match in New Japan since August last year. Um, Takahashi uh, has been in nine New Japan Cups and only won three matches. Uh, but yeah, is there every year? So I'm wondering if Naito is being punished slightly for being kind of very critical about the the cup and how it start seems to start off with a lot of people that don't really get many wins. Um, for instance, Toro Yanu is facing Davy Boy Smith Jr., who, again, hasn't had a singles match since last year's New Japan Cup, in which he lost in the first round, which was his first singles match from the year, New Japan Cup the year before, which he lost in the first round. Um, uh, basically, I, I could go on, but it's happened in four years in a row that Davy Boy Smith Jr. has had one singles match a year and lost it in the first round of each New Japan Cup. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to throw this out there. Two, two things. One, I really hope Yano goes over there. Uh, but two is just before we get, you know, too worked up about Tetsuya Naito, didn't Kenny Omega get eliminated in the first round last year? Yeah, he did. He was, and he went on to have a really huge year. So I'm just saying maybe, maybe not. It, this might be nothing. It could be something, but it could easily be nothing. Well, they do tend to the New Japan Cup to have a lot of shocks. Um, Bad Luck Fale was in last year's final. Um, you know, he's a guy that, you, you rarely see outside of six-man tags or on the outside of the ring. Um, and, and he's regularly been in the semi-final and final for the New Japan Cup. So uh, like, like you said, in terms of the actual results of the tournament, um, and it, it's normally just there for the winner and then everything else is is um, 
is not to be taken too seriously. No, I was just going to say, this might be a really opportune time to highlight Zack Sabre Jr., even if he's going to lose whatever title match uh, he goes over. You know, if uh, I'm just looking here at, you know, there are a bunch of people here you could do a lot with from this. But, you know, you could do something with Zack Sabre Jr. here. You could do something with Juice Robinson. But this would be a this is a great time to highlight somebody that you don't actually plan on putting the title on. Yeah, that's the thing, because uh, well, actually another uh, a sort of small point of that um, Tanahashi. Everyone expected to uh, to to not be in this tournament after he dropped the title to Suzuki because uh, he needs to heal up. And uh, there's a big thing about him because if if he won the tournament and chose to face Okada, if Okada beats him, it would be he would beat Tanahashi's own record for the amount of defenses for the IWGP Heavyweight Title. Um, uh. So that could in itself um, kind of bring about a big match because because like you said, the truth is is that when it comes to the New Japan Cup, a lot of it. It, a lot of the time, it is just a a man wins a tournament to then lose to the champion. Um, so it's about making that meaningful and, and kind of giving someone a platform to then push themselves up. I think between the two, it's between Tanahashi now and Kota Ibushi who win it. Um, but then my pick was Tatsuya Naito to win it all together, and he hasn't. So, you know, I could be completely wrong. It'd be interesting to see if Ibushi actually goes through and actually succeeds in, in winning the cup only to challenge Okada at... Um you know, late down the line. Because if Ibushi is able to take the title off of Okada, that's something that he's got over um, Omega, which could potentially cause conflict further down the line. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. It'd be a really interesting subplot to have uh, to have Ibushi win the tournament and then have this uh, thing between the Golden Lovers, because obviously it's the one title that seems to have eluded Kenny Omega. That being said, I think it might be a bit soon to, to go down that route, but it would be a very interesting route to go down. Let's move on to the last subject, which is um, more drama back in the WWE, and that is everything that's going on with the steroids scandal. Now, for those of you who aren't following, a documentarist called uh, John Bravo has been working on a documentary which he says allegedly proves that Roman Reigns is one of the uh, customers involved in a, a steroid distribution ring or something along those lines, and dropped a load of evidence this week before releasing the documentary, which he seemed to think showed that Roman Reigns was involved, only for the evidence to point towards another Reigns, and that was Luther Reigns, which was a bit of an anticlimax. Now, John seems to think that he still has additional evidence to show that Roman Reigns is involved in this scandal, but, you know, at the moment it's a bit of a you know, sigh of relief for WWE because they've not had anything too incriminating against them for such a big talent, especially with his road to WrestleMania leading at the main event of... Um, for the Universal title against Brock Lesnar. But have you guys been following this? What What are your thoughts on it? So I've been following it quite a bit. It does, it seems a bit anticlimactic, but he did say he has 15 current and former WWE stars. So it's best not to close the book completely on Roman. But, but I do think that it, it's kind of, uh, that was the marketable way of trying to get all this publicity. Uh, there's a lot more to the case than meets the eye. The guy obviously is in prison and he's, apparently had a lot of public funded money to help him get out, which has disappeared. Um, there seems to be a lot more to the actual case itself. And it just seems to be to me, a guy that's been taken to prison, trying to get as much publicity for it as possible. Um, but, but yeah, it, it was a bit anticlimactic because uh, there's been rumors the WWE been holding off the WrestleMania announcements uh, for their matches because of the Roman Reigns scandal for it to turn out to be Luther Reigns would be a bit of a, 
a, a very anticlimactic and poor ending to to a, a well rumored story. I mean, I'm not sure. Is the ring dead as well? Uh, I don't think he's dead. Uh, I'll clarify this while we while we're on the call. But I'm not. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's dead. I'm not sure when the documentary is scheduled to be fully released. I know that you know little drips and drabs keep coming out, but you know if this if there is this evidence against Roman, then surely if they wanted to really cause a bit of a shitstorm, the prime opportunity would be once Roman Reigns had won the Universal Title. Because, you know, WWE would need to take immediate action after all that build-up, and Roman would only have the title for a matter of maybe a week, two weeks. This is one of these things I kind of wish we didn't have to care or think about, and I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion, but does... Uh, let, let me know if, 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 if y'all think differently, but I kind of don't care if anybody on their roster is juicing. Uh, it's not like it's UFC where you're going to do some serious damage to somebody else because you're on the sauce. And if it's, I look, if it's a control that actually under a doctor's care, it's, you know, relatively safe. And also, I mean, look, they're taking bigger risks with their bodies than drugs. So this one says, I understand why it's important. I just sort of wish it wasn't because I have a very hard time caring if Roman Reigns is on juice or not. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm, I'm completely with you in that. I think the whole juicing and roid scandal thing is, is from a publicity point of view, uh, because of the the issues with drugs the WWE has had in the past. Um, you know, it obviously being linked to the the Chris Benoit and the Eddie Guerrero deaths uh, mm-hmm. of, of drug abuse. So I can see why it's a big deal to them. But I'm with you. Um, I'm fairly uh, without making any rumors of being sued. Uh, I'm fairly certain that there's a lot of wrestlers that are not in the WWE in the Indies because. You know, people like New Japan and, and I believe Impact Wrestling and ROH don't do drug testing. So, you know, from from that point of view, we, we probably watch uh, juiced up wrestlers on a daily basis and we don't think we don't uh, give it a second thought. So I'm yeah. completely with you from a, a, a wrestling fan point of view. I really couldn't care less. Um, well, I, say, I don't know what you're insinuating because Eric Kitamura is 100% natural, my friend. Those traps <laughs> don't need any juice at all. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, one name that has eluded this entire scandal so far seems to be Brock Lesnar, and surely, you know, in my opinion, he seems to be one of the top culprits of being involved in anything like this. It's just a bit shocking not to have had his name thrown up so far. Well, I mean, in this particular scandal, yeah, he's probably not into it, but but do remember that he is currently under suspension uh, under his MMA license for for juicing. Uh, so. So it, it does seem quite. It's a really good point, OZ, to to bring it up that um that one side of the the, the coin that they're making a big deal out of Roman Reigns possibly being pulled from rate his main event when the guy that his opposite number in the main event is clearly currently under a, a, a punishment for juicing himself, which WWE have not enforced themselves either. No, and I think the reason for that being is that in terms of demographic and audience, Roman definitely has a bigger following from a youth standpoint than perhaps Brock Lesnar does. I mean, he's still obviously going to have fans across, um, you know, a wide range of fan bases, but I, I definitely think that Roman has more of an influence over kids being such a big position in WWE. 100%. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm completely with Dave in the sense that we we watch Juiced Up wrestlers daily. Why, why, why do we actually care if they are Juiced Up um, as long as then? Uh, you, you know, at the end of the day, if if it leads to a death, I'm sure we'd all care, and it'd be a a, ba- a bad moment for wrestling. But um, from that point of view, if they're well controlled and they're thinking about it, I I don't really 
care as long as they're entertaining me. Brian Cage is on natural. I, I don't say. care what any of you say. Yeah. <laughs> what I will say is, I bet Jinder Mahal was a bit scared. It does make you think. I mean, it do, there is curiosity there because there's 15 names, or fi- there's apparently 15 current and former. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think, I think there's, I, I definitely think there's more people on the WWE roster juicing than than we're aware of. Um, I think, I think the WWE goes through kind of peaks and troughs where the 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 the, um, the drug scandal or the the wellness policy is serious and when it's lax I think it does change from time to time but imagine if it was someone like Kurt Hawkins Randy Orton yeah exactly Randy Orton uh, is managed to get two strikes in six months on his wellness policy and then somehow has now survived what a decade without one uh, which I I struggle to I struggle to believe that's the case but if you imagine someone like Kurt Hawkins coming forward as part of this scandal no one would give two shits but it's simply because of the name value associated with the scandal. You know, it's it's like like Shocker said, I think it's simply to drive the story and make it more public. But, you know, it's it's something that we'll be seeing more drips and drabs come out over the weeks. Um, Jameson, did you have anything to add, mate? Like as you said, I think it's literally they're trying to use Roman's name because he's so relevant right now to drive a story that isn't really a story. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and it seems to be quite a consensus across the you know the rest of the pod today that you know actually the story isn't that shocking. It's not something that we're unfamiliar with. It's just a case of let's get some name value, let's make the story as big as possible, and you know WWE will have to panic further down the line. Yeah, yeah that's exactly it. Brilliant. Well, on that bombshell. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that, that that brings the pod to an end. Is there anything uh, anybody else wanted to get covered today? I have literally um, only watched Ring of Honor Wrestling in the last week and a half, so that's all I got, man. <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, to be fair, I think we've covered most of the big stories over the last week. You know, if anything else comes up, I, th- I suppose the big draw tonight is, is going to be Fastlane. This will come out to you after Fastlane, so I'm sure we'll touch on that further down the line. But yeah, that, that seems to be most of the big stories for the week. So that, that brings the pod towards uh, towards the end. Um, so, yeah, thanks ever so much for joining me, guys. Let's run through a few things on how these guys can get in contact with us. So we've got the Passion for Wrestling Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash P4 Wrestling. We've got the Wolfpack page as well, which is facebook.com forward slash P4W Wolfpack. We've got the Twitter, which is at P4W Wolfpack, and the Insta, which is at P4W underscore Wolfpack. I do hope you're writing all of these down because I'm not saying them again. And we've also got the YouTube. If you search for Passion for Wrestling on the on YouTube, you will find all of our videos, including all our previous pods and um, up to episode three of Being the Marks. Now, we've also got the Passion for Wrestling website, which is www.passion4wrestling.com. Just to clarify, it is the number four. Definitely check it out because you'll see all of our social media on there and you'll also get access to all of our articles and all the news that's going on in the world of professional wrestling right now. Um, we've also got uh, a little bit of a plug from our you know, resident podcast celebrity, as it were. Dave, you, you run a separate little podcast going on. Did you want to tell us a little bit about that? Uh, sure, yeah, thank you. Uh, and by celebrity, if you mean my other podcast has dozens 
dozens of listeners. Uh, yeah, I, I do a show uh, called Dave and Diamante because uh, we're both uncreative and narcissistic. Um, but basically, it's kind of a life podcast. It's me and a buddy of mine, uh, both of whom are sort of involved in creative industries, but still needing to hold down day jobs. Uh, reason I'm bringing it up here is because we do a wrestling segment. Uh, we started actually alternating episodes. We're now in, we used to do a hip hop segment and a wrestling segment on every episode. Now we're alternating weeks so we can have longer conversations. But uh, basically, I'm showing my podcast partner Adrian uh, wrestling matches and different wrestling media when he hasn't watched since like 1997. So we're kind of getting into it, seeing what's weird to him, what's new to him, and it gets into some pretty interesting conversations. So if that's something you're interested in, uh, the show's called Dave and Diamante. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, pretty much everywhere other than Spotify uh, because Spotify. Spotify hates me and won't answer my emails and they make me cry. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's David Diamante. Most recent episode covers uh, NXT TakeOver Philly, uh, Johnny Gargano versus Cien Almas. And we spend a good third of it talking about how hot Selena Vega is. <laughs> I can't say I blame you. It's a hard topic to get off of. It's a very hard topic to get off of. <laughs> but yeah, that match was also an outstanding match. So yeah, definitely a great subject to talk on. But yeah, if you guys haven't already, make sure you check out the Dave and Diamante pod. I've had a listen. It's a fantastic pod. Definitely worth a subscribe. So go and check it out. And uh, for those of you who haven't subscribed to the Passion for Wrestling podcast, make sure you do. It's available on Apple Podcasts. We're available on Anchor. And like Dave says, pretty much everywhere you can find your podcasts. So yeah, search for it. Subscribe. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. But that wraps up things for today. Um, thanks ever so much for everyone for, for joining me. We've got Shock, we've got Buzzard, we've got Jameson, Man of a Thousand Four Holes, and we've got Jersey Brunch, Dave, the man himself. Thank you ever so much for joining me, guys. I hope you enjoy the rest of your weekend, what what is left of it, and uh, we will catch up later. Yeah, thanks a lot, mate. Peace. And hopefully that shocked your system. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my God, we're done.